In today's podcast, we'll be talking about the gruesome murders done by Albert Fish, who was also known as the Brooklyn Vampire, the Boogeyman, Werewolf of Asteria, and many more. You are listening to Black Fox Live. Hi, this is Black Fox, and welcome to the first episode of my new podcast, where I will be talking about the true crimes solved and unsolved in detail. This is an independently run podcast. I would like to say that the information has been taken from allthatsinteresting.com and listverse.com where you will find more information about this case. So, let's begin. Albert Fish confessed to dozens of crimes after his arrest, each one of them more depraved than the last. Serial killer Albert Fish claimed to have murdered a child in every state. By November 1934, 10-year-old Grace Bud had been missing for six years. There had been no promising clues or developments regarding her disappearance. That is, until her mother Delia Flanagan Bud received an anonymous letter which read as follows. Dear Mrs. Bud, it read, On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, a call on you at 406 W15 Street brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. After reading this letter, we can clearly get some idea that this man might be psychologically unwell and cannibalistic in nature. The bizarre rambling letter that Mrs. Spud received on that cold November evening began with the tale of a decant who developed a taste for human flesh and ended with a harrowing description of Mrs. Spud's daughter being murdered and roasted in the oven. Although the written confession was unsigned and nameless, it was the beginning of the end for cannibalistic serial killer Albert Fish. How his exorbitant madness and murderous bloodlust came to be, however, is a tale as macabre and unimaginable as the death of Grace Bud itself. Now the people described Albert Fish as a slight frail man, grave-faced and inconspicuous. Now let us know, who is this Brooklyn Vampire? Albert Fish, who is infamously known as the Brooklyn Vampire, the Wolf of Hysteria, the Grey Man, was born on May 19, 1870 in Washington, D.C. to Randolph and Ellen Fish, Hamilton Howard. Small, quiet and unassuming, he had a face that blended in with the crowd and a private life that would have frightened even the most hardened criminals. As a child, Fish was plagued by mental illness, as were a number of his family members. Not only was his brother in an asylum, but his uncle had been diagnosed with mania, while his mother routinely experienced visual hallucinations. His father was 75 years old at the time of Fish's birth and died when Albert was just five years old. His widowed mother didn't have the resources to take care for Albert and his three siblings alone and left them with a state orphanage. It was there that he conceived a passion for pain. 
St. John's Home for Boys and Orphanage located at Albany Avenue and St. Mark's Avenue where Albert Fish spent much of his childhood. The caretakers at the orphanage regularly beat the children and even occasionally encouraged the children to hurt each other. But while the other children lived in fear of painful punishments, fish reveled in them. I was there till I was nine. And that's where I got started wrong. Fish later recalled, we were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they shouldn't have done. He came to enjoy and associate the pain and with pleasure, which would later seep into sexual gratification. When his mother became mentally stable and financially self-sufficient enough to take him home in 1880, she removed him from the orphanage, but the damage had already been done. Fish not only continued to administer his own beatings but began an unhealthy relationship with the telegraph boy in 1882. The child introduced him to the sexual practices of eulania and coprophagia, the consumption of human waste. Eventually, his sadomasochistic tendencies led him to an obsession with sexual self-mutilation. He would regularly embed needles into his groin and abdomen and flog himself with a nail-studded paddle. And in 1890, after the 20-year-old fish moved to New York City, his crimes against children began. Now, after taking an x-ray of fish's pelvic region, they found 29 needles embedded in that area. That sounds painful but not for the person who enjoys it. Fish became increasingly curious about the pain of others and wasted no time after moving to New York City to learn more. He started prostituting himself and molesting young boys, whom he would lure from their homes to rape and torture them. A nail-studded paddle was his favorite weapon. Now, in 1898, Fish married a woman his mother had introduced him to and fathered six children with her. While he never violently abused his own, Fish continued raping and torturing other children throughout their childhood. In 1910, while working as a house painter in Delaware, Fish met Thomas Kedden. Fish and Kedden began a sadomasochistic relationship, though it is unknown how much of it Ketten actually consented to. In later descriptions of the affair, Fish would hint that Ketten was perhaps intellectually resembled, though it was always difficult to sort fact from fiction in Fish's tales. Only 10 days after the initial meeting, Fish lured Ketten to an abandoned farmhouse under the pretense of an assignation. When Ketten arrived. However, he found himself locked inside. Albert Fish eventually started drinking his own urine and eating his own feces. For two weeks, Fish tortured Ketten, the budding killer, mutilated the other man's body and cut off half his private part. Then, as suddenly 
as he had arrived fish disappeared leaving kitten with a 10 dollar bill for his trouble i shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me fish later recalled by 1917 fish was having difficulty concealing the symptoms of severe mental illness leading his wife to leave him for another man fish's self harm grew thereafter from pressing more and more needles into his groin to stuffing wool covered in lighter fluid into his groin area and setting it on fire he began having auditory hallucinations as well at one point he recalled wrapping himself in a carpet on the instructions of john the apostle fish began teaching his own children strange and oddly sadomasochistic games before developing an obsession with cannibalism as a precursor to consuming human flesh he began to eat raw meat meals he often invited his children to share By 1919 his obsession with torture and cannibalism had brought him to contemplate murder. He began to look for vulnerable children such as intellectually disabled orphans or homeless black children. Youths that he assumed wouldn't be missed. He would claim at his trial in later writings that God was speaking to him, commanding him to torture and consume young children he scoured advertisements in local papers put out by families looking for someone to perform housework or by young men looking for work themselves it was through one of these advertisements that he found young grace but grace wasn't always albert fish's intended target it was her older brother that he had set his sights on Edward Bird was looking for work on a farm or in the country that's why he put out the ad fish encountered fish originally planned on hiring Edward and bringing him to his country house to torture him thus under the false name Frank Howard fish called on the Bird family in their Manhattan home He claimed to have some farm work upstate that needed doing and he was also looking for some help around the house. Was Edward interested? Edward was inclined to take the job from the unremarkable grey-faced gentleman. But suddenly Fish's interest shifted while Edward was mulling over his offer. Fish noticed a young girl standing behind her parents. 10-year-old Grace. In 2007, Fish's life and crimes were depicted in the movie The Gray Man. He had a new plan and he didn't waste any time. While discussing his fictitious farm and the imaginary work Edward would undertake, Fish casually mentioned that he was in town to visit his niece and attended her birthday party. Would little Grace like to join him? Albert Fish, the unassuming looking stranger, convinced Delia and Albert Bird to let him take their daughter along to his niece's birthday party. They never saw her again.
what happened to Grace Bird? Fish took Grace, dressed in her Sunday best, to his house upstate, the same one he had intended to use as a torture chamber for her brother. According to the letter sent to Delia Budd, along with his confession, Fish hid in an upstairs bedroom, naked, so as not to get blood on his clothing, while Grace picked wild flowers in the yard. Then he called her inside. When she screamed at the sight of him, he grabbed her before she could flee. As his gruesome letter read, first, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take the meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. Now, before he died, Albert Fish wrote a detailed account of all his crimes for his lawyer, who never shared the writings because they were simply too horrific. The letter which had clearly been intended to cause panic within the Bud home hastened Albert Fish's downfall. The paper he had written, the letter, unhappened to be the, a piece of stationery from the New York Private Chauffeur's Benevolent Association. Police inquired with the company and found that the paper had been left behind by a janitor from the company at a rooming house he had been staying at. At the rooming house, a man named Albert Fish was renting a place. Upon learning that Fish bore a strong resemblance to Frank Howard, Grace Bud's kidnapper, the police set up an interview. To their surprise, Fish confessed in an instant, practically tripping over himself to reveal the precise details of what he had done to Grace Bud, as well as dozens of other children. But in the end, only three children, including Grace, could be concretely proven to be his victims. Albert was held at New York's Sing Sing prison before he was executed by electrocution. The Grace Bud's murder was far, by far the most infamous of Fish's crimes, but two other murders were linked to him after his arrest. Surprisingly, they are just as gruesome. According to Crime Museum, Albert Fish is believed to be responsible for the murder of a four-year-old boy named Billy Kaffney. Billy had disappeared while playing with a neighbor in Brooklyn on February 11, 1927. That child would later tell police that the boogeyman Billy. But after Fish's arrest, a motorman on a Brooklyn trolley line came forward to identify him as a nervous old man. He saw on the same day Billy had disappeared. Apparently, the old man was trying to quiet a little boy sitting next to him on the trolley who was crying for his mother. The man then dragged the little boy off of the trolley. The trial of Albert Fish began on March 11, 1935, 
and demonstrated quite clearly that the man was insane. As expected, his defense pleaded innocent by reason of insanity. Fish admitted that his auditory hallucinations in the form of voices had told him to kill children. Despite numerous psychiatrists involved in the trial supporting the insanity plea, however, the jury found Fish sane enough to found guilty. The trial took 10 days and ended with a verdict that saw Fish executed by electrocution the following year. Now what was really surprising despite the jury's verdict was that when he was sent for the electrocution in January 16, 1936 and while he was sitting in the chair, his last words were, I don't even know why I'm here. This guy was suffering from serious mental issues and this happened because of the biological and environmental factors, mostly. The environmental factors is what I think Fish's early childhood experience of torture, ridicule and head trauma likely influenced the development of some of his behaviors. They cannot fully account for his crimes. Likewise, the familial history of serious mental illness cannot solely account for the extent of his gruesome behaviors. But. A child must be given a healthy environment and the so-called orphanages should do what they're supposed to, that is take care of the children, not torture them. Name-calling is usually motivated by some kind of difference in the victim. This is why the impact of childhood name-calling can be so traumatic to a child. It further highlights a difference or a weakness that they are already well aware of. Name-calling in childhood can cause psychological damage that follows the child into adulthood, resulting in low self-esteem, thoughts of suicide, a desire to fit in, and anger towards the world. Most of the times, mental health is not taken seriously, but we should do our best to be kind and helpful to each other, because they are human too. I'm not saying he was good. He needed help but didn't get any. So, this is the end of my first episode. I hope you liked it. If you want me to cover any cases in detail or want to give any suggestions, send me an email at blackfoxlife at gmail.com I will really really appreciate that thank you